tell us the stats. This is it's episode only... 150, AB testing. Brent has stats. Tell us the stats. Statman Brent. Welcome to AB testing podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. No, I, I don't know. I don't know how to be excited for this thing, but it is the AB testing podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm Alan. I'm Brent. What do you mean you don't know how to be excited? It's episode 150. It is episode 150. Yeah, it's episode 150 of the AB testing podcast. It's episode 1.5. No, 150. We have done 100, uh, only 149 for Brent, but we'll call it 150. Not counting all the 1343s. Yeah, we did the ABT 343s. We had three of them, I think. Only three because we only have three listeners. We ran out of listeners, so the ABT 343s stopped. If one of those listeners has stopped being a listener and you're a new listener and want to do a little (laughs) thing with me, you can be on a new ABT 343. The one thing, thing that would be great. Uh, so I really like that that series, and we have a lot of the three that you haven't three four. No, there's only there's only three three. Yeah, well, it's I, no, I agree. If uh, you're a first time listener, I'm sorry. Um, please go <laughs> back to episode eighty seven and start from there, and figure, and then you'll never make it this far because you realize we're just two dumb guys talking, yelling into the internet. Yeah, you know, I I just I love our listeners. I really do. I. One aspect we is, don't deserve them, Brent. We, we do not deserve not. I, our listeners. I, I just like why. If you're why? listening to this, we still six years later. How long have we been doing this for a long time, Brent? You have some stats, but 150 episodes in, we still don't know why you listen. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, well, we did dr- we did drink during one episode. You know, uh, yeah, that was amusing. That was your my fuck my, you. my my farewell <laughs> at Microsoft. That was yeah. Low hundreds? I don't know. Maybe you know this. Brent, once again, though, by the way, for those of you uh, waiting for me to yell at Brent, now's the time. (laughs) Brent is eating again during the podcast because Brent's a complete uh, something inappropriate. He's seriously chewing on throwing stuff, Skittles into his mouth, whatever. All right. Brent, you've collected some stats. Tell us the stats. This is episode 150 AB testing. Brent has stats. Tell us the stats. Statman Brent. First off, it's only peanuts because I couldn't find the corn nuts this time. Yeah, I couldn't find the corn nuts or the, you know, the crunchy chips. That's great. So we're episode 150. We've made that point. Yep. Uh, We did episode 50 in December of 2016. And then roughly two and a half years later, we did episode 100 on uh, in April of 2019. Which was, I, I remember right, really close to like our five-year anniversary. Did we start in 2014? We did. We did. We, we, so 105 episode. years came pretty close together. Yep. And we are essentially a month early for episode uh, 150. But roughly two and a half years later, we now have the, we now have this. So we should hit, we should hit episode 200. Let's see, magic ball. I'm going to say two and a half years. That would be uh, episode 200, April of 2024. Do you think we'll make it that long? 
if we want to get to episode 200. Okay, let's go for it. Let's let's <laughs> let's make a pledge now that we will get to episode 200. I just can't think that far ahead. Oh, yeah, actually, when? When will we hit it? According to this, around April 2024. Let me do some math. So, I have, so which I have, would also, I have another sabbatical coming up. So let me do some math to see. Which um, would also be our our 10 year. Oh, interesting. So what year is it now? 21, 22. Okay. So I, I have to throw, I, we haven't talked about this. There's a wrench in the plan here. I haven't talked to you about Brent. Mm. There's a wrench in the plan. You're retiring next month. No, 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 no. But I do want to talk the- about, I do want to talk about the new job, but one thing on my bucket list. So, you know, my youngest will be done with high school a year from this June. So graduating in 2023. Oh shoot. This should work out perfectly actually. So she's graduating June of 23. Is that right? No. Yeah. 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 So. So she's a sophomore this year. No, she's a junior this year. Am I doing my math wrong? Oh, we're past January, huh? What month is it? It's 21 now. So this this June will be June 22. The next June where she graduates will be June 23. I was correct the first time. Right. Thank you for confusing me. You're welcome. So then one of the things that's been on my bucket list since I've been around 10 years old has been to hike the entire Pacific Crest Trail from Mexico to oh. Canada. It takes about five months. Okay. So I would probably leave in April of 24. That's the first year I don't have kids in the house, so I can get away with it. So the plan would be to leave right after our 200th episode, if all goes well. Okay. So we'll we'll see what we could do. Wouldn't but, it suck if we did 199 and then I disappeared for five months? No, we would just do 200 the next day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there would be no way. <laughs> yeah, we or, or we would just skip 199, have episode 199 be like uh, a minute oh. long, and then do 200. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, all sorts of algorithms. We 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 just take. We just take episode 198, cut it in half, and then... <laughs> oh, we should do a part two, part twos. And then you'll never guess what happened. Next time on the AB Testing Podcast. <laughs> All right, man. So uh, that that's a plan uh, based on stats. Yeah, you mentioned... You mentioned... So I didn't... I, you've never mentioned before your, your desire to hike uh, that, right? Um so I am formerly of the Boy Scouts, so I'm not in co- or un- I have spent time doing uh, long hikes. Um, my kids both went through, or my boys both went through Boy Scouts. My kids have done things of that nature. That sounds like a lot of a lot of fun. Well, we've talked before about, and think about this a little bit. One is it's beautiful. Two is I like the outdoors and exercise. But more importantly. We've talked about introverts and extroverts and extroverts get energy from being around people. And for introverts like me, doing meetings all day is tiring. Oh, think how much energy I will bank walking by myself for 2,500 miles. Oh, you will until, you know, it's the last day and then you go, oh, I might just I, I might get to the last day and I'll I'll get to Canada and I'll just set up my tent and say I'm going to live here. So actually, so I, really, it's, it's being professionally homeless is really this for for when you months. were when you were at Microsoft. Did you ever 
take your sabbatical? I did. I spent two and a half months in the south of France. Oh, right. I remember. I didn't realize that you took your sabbatical for that. I remember your the long time off. I have not taken my sabbatical yet, um, but a buddy of mine just finished his, and I was he he talked to me before he took he before he took it, and he kind of took it because he was a little. Like what we've talked about in the podcast before, like sometimes you get in a situation where you have to make a decision to either change your job or change your job. Right. True. And he was at that point. He came to me before he left because he was kind of looking for guidance or mentorship. Like, this is what I'm thinking. How, how should I use my time off to put my head in the right place? Sort of thing. One of the things I said, I'm glad that you did because I know Microsoft HR had has the stats the data I shared with him, it was 20 years old at the time. But even back then, they knew that if a, if an employee took off more than three months, the probability they come back, it was like 10%. Yeah, no, I, I, I anecdotally, I believe that. And I was, you know, I, I came back for a while, but I was I was on my way out for the moment. I well, came right. Back. So one of the things in sabbaticals, and I'm curious uh, if it was in place when you left, uh, but now for sabbaticals at Microsoft, in order for you to even go, you, they will still grant it, but you have to commit that if you leave Microsoft, you will not leave until one year after you've returned. And yeah, I, be- I believe that was the case when I took mine. Okay. Well. Yeah. Cause they, cause it, it, it's apparently a good mitigation for their prior stats. And he, he came back and he is, of course, he's like, Oh yeah, I completely understand why that stat is true. Because <laughs> he was like the last day he was like, Oh, I don't want to go back. But we had another talk anyway. So I kind of want to do a, a, a discussion here that could be, Part things we've talked about before, part things, Drink. part things that could be ideation. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you a term or I'm going to give you a scenario. Right. All right. Let's say. So we've talked about on here all the time about like the differences between on-prem and services and, and how sufficiently good monitoring is equivalent to testing. I'm going to yep. give you a term mm-hmm. and I'm going to say, Hey, Ellen, you're going to reorg get again. And, and I'm going to re what again? Re-org. Okay, got it. And let's pretend not that I'm your boss, but I'm pretending to be your boss. Not me. I'm, I'm like your existing boss, like someone good. Imagine that that guy is coming to you. Okay. And the thing I want you to take on, all I know is three words. Okay, and I want you to disambiguate this and design it out and what would be the program. Okay, I want you to take on customer-centric monitoring. Okay. So not lifesite monitoring, customer-centric monitoring. Is this, is this product externally facing or internally facing? Externally. So I'm selling a product that is customer-centric. No, no, you're I'm not building selling a product it. That's you're sold as. You, you are going to build up the customer-centric monitoring team. The only thing, only okay. thing that your executive knows is he wants Alan to run this team. And he and it's it, he, he doesn't even know who our customer is. 
not uh, you. So you have customers. Okay. Okay. But so imagine you at unity. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have an executive that has, that wants you to run a team. And the only thing he knows about this team is that you're at the head and they're in charge of customer centric monitoring. Okay. So everything else is ambiguous on purpose. Gotcha. Like, what's the goals? What are you doing? Why are we doing this? All of that is ambiguous. It's up to you because you're an exec two in this scenario. What would you do? Okay. Well, I mean, the first thing I do is I do want to try and get clarity on. And again, I know you want me to get to actually trying something, <laughs> but I am going to see if it's possible for me to get any clarity from anyone involved, both my new exec manager and people I work with understand like, what's the actual outcome you want from this? What are we, I'll play the game of, okay, let's imagine we have customer centric monitoring. What's different about what we're doing. I'm just going to try and get somebody to give me a clue where we're going. Well, so uh, wait, wait. I, I may not get a clear let's, clue. Let's stop there. Like if you were to own a, a, a team called customer centric monitoring and you were in charge of defining that, how would you define it? So now I'm the product manager as well. Yep. Okay. Customer centric monitoring is, I would say it's the information. I don't want to be, I don't want to be repetitive and use monitoring the name. It's the information we're able to get that let's understand our customers the best, our customers and their activities. And this is very vague. It's a fun, it's a fun little interview game we're playing here, but I think customer centric monitoring. Yeah. It gives me. The information I can gather lets lets our teams know the m- most details about our customers as we can, or the most beneficial details about our customers and the way we use our product as we can. Okay. And like for me, when I think of the term, just to, to, to help bolster, when I think of the term monitoring, I think of something that feels more near real time, more, mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Right. It's like, so we were we've spent a good amount of time talking about like service monitoring right in that right principle five right customers define your quality but Mm -hmm. a lot of those discussions around are are around looking at looking at customers in aggregate and saying what are the problems with our service so for me this term kind of takes it the other way around so, so like, imagine, uh, I got to imagine how many, how many services, how many services do you help ship in, in, in Unity or have done it? Like it's, it's in the dozens or plus, right? Hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> Unity offers multiple different services. And I got to imagine Unity has customers that leverage a good portion of several of those services. Yep. Okay. Yep. So Instead of monitoring the service, this is now monitoring the customer. Yeah. Again, my definition is around the customer and how they use it. I wasn't monitoring health. It's who it could be customer centric is everything from demographic data around the customers and where they are and maybe even deducing their profile to understanding how they're using the product, understanding what the experience is they're having with the product. 
where are they having success or failure, but really focusing around the customer view of using the service versus the health view of the service. Well, if you think of it in that regard, it would be like the customer health, right? Probably, probably a business from a business point of view right now. Why would you monitor? Because only customers can evaluate the quality of the product. And I monitor to understand, I want trying my best to understand what the customer experience is with the product. Well, so let me, let me take it a different way. Why do you monitor the service? In general, I want to monitor it to know if it's behaving within expected norms. Okay. And if it's not, you want to be able to take action. If it's not, I want to be able to take action to correct it or to understand or to, uh, there's something I need to learn. Okay. Could we use that same model with customer centric monitoring? Like your definition is, okay, are the customer behaving with expected norms? And so what kind of, what kind of actions? I don't actually have the answers. I'm just sort of, I'm really trying to explore this with you. No, no, no. I, I get where you're going. I, yeah, you absolutely could do the same thing with, uh, customers, I want to, I guess I could have an expected success rate, or I want to know if customers are encountering errors. And again, they're always going to encounter errors, but maybe I can look for anomalies in those errors or spikes, or or maybe I want to know every error they hit when they're using my service. So I want to understand the quality of their experience. For example, I, I, could, I could do a, I'm looking for customers who, who are successful Maybe it's just API, successful API calls over failed API calls should be at 99.9%. That would be, it's health, but it's customer facing. Right. And in in that regard, it's without regard to what APIs, right? Because then it- Yeah. It would depend on the service and how it's being used, but I'm, I would imagine there's like, if it's a typical uh, CRUD service, I would look at each of those actions as well as a workflow I expect them to go through. It would, I guess it would depend on what, how I define success of the service or what I, not success of the service, what customer success would look like for the service. Right. Which is going to be right. The, the one main reason why I don't think a lot of people do this is like each customer is different. Like their workflows are different. Their problems are different. Yeah. Right. So this is why I actually think this is an interesting topic like, how do you, how would you define healthy, unhealthy? Like, I, I'll, I'll give you a measure. I'll give you a measure uh, that, that, that I'm thinking through. I would say if I were to go back, now this is historical data. So this is no longer a monitoring scenario. This is now, okay, what do we have from, from my point of view for training data, right? If I see a particular set of sequences, including failure sequences, and then I see that those are correlated to people leaving the platform, that probably is unhealthy, right? Or or if we see a particular set of sequences that then go, that show suddenly growth happens, kind of implying that they were dealing with something that wasn't wasn't so much that they were willing to flip the bid, but once they solved it, it, it unblocked growth. That would be another one. Sure. There's a whole bunch of stuff with unique and active and returning uh, users you can look at. Yeah. Uh, again, it depends on the platform and the API and what the services are. And doing. using it as a, like to me, I, I could see it as sort of like an early warning system on a cur- current customer basis. Like what's the probability that 
What's the probability that a whale customer, I got to imagine Unity has whale customers. I don't know if you use mm-hmm. that language, right? Um, yep, that, that, that's, I think that's basically industry standard. Okay, one of my fam- favorite game producers, and I think one of yours as well, Bethesda, are they on Unity? No. Oh, that's sad. But I got to imagine if they were, they would they would likely be viewed as a whale, maybe? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so they're not, so let's use them hypothetically. How would you know if their experience might be unhealthy and and unhealthy in a way, for example, how far away might this company be from from abandoning the platform? I think in, it, it depends on the or service calling, in some cases. For, or calling your CEO and saying WTF. Well, the, the best example is to look at, uh, like for some of our whales, we will count, we will monitor, set up monitoring and alerts for their revenue stream so we can see money coming in for them like through an ads platform you could also do the same thing through other apis as they're using them understand specifically if their success rate is going down right because once you see once you see an anomaly in the revenue stream then you want to be able to look for the causation right right anything else that you can think about in this front customer to me i think it's a it's an interesting idea (laughs) If we look at it in an entirely different way and treat each customer individually. Now, that, of course, constructs a problem on scale, right? You have to figure out, okay, well, what are the actions that you would take? Well, I think what you could do is you could take your whale customers and maybe build models based on what you discovered to monitor with them and see if you could apply those at the smaller scale of the smaller customers. Maybe. I do feel like Lean Analytics, though, which I think you've read, does cover a chunk of this. They don't call it customer-focused analytics or whatever, customer-centric analytics. But they are looking at analytics based on the Lean startup or MVPs or iterations, which I think does – there's an overlap. There's an overlap, but a lot of those things are doing it from a – again, from a service sort of view or a product sort of view. It's – the thing that's an interesting pivot to me is instead of, or in addition to, not instead of, but in addition to monitoring and doing all the data feeds that we've been talking about around the product itself in aggregate, how does it change if you take that same set of data, but pivot by customer? And what actions would you change? Like here's, here's for example, one of the things I'm not blowing any any NDA thing because I think this would be a common situation. So I spend a lot of time in look at, you know on a day to day basis looking through our support data, constantly finding insights for things around how we can improve. And um, my team has also spent a good amount of time doing what's sort of the user journey or the the retention funnel. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one of the things that we we eventually did is we broke our customers uh, into multiple categories and then only started looking at two of them. So we, we found two different personas and we split them into, I think there's what, seven, eight different categories, but then we only look at two. Okay. And those, okay. those two are what we'll say, is, I'll give them the names of the whales and the startups. Okay. okay. You couldn't think of a cool animal name for the startups? 
the whales and the the, the tigers. I, I, I immediately think of tigers because of Kaizen. What? Okay, but not puppies. Okay, that's fine. You can go tigers. Yeah, and or the weasels. How about that? Ang- angry weasels? Uh, some of them, yes. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Now, the reason why these are interesting is the whales, these two categories, they show fundamentally different behavior. The, the whales uh, are, number one, where we get the majority of our revenue. Not surprisingly, that's kind of the definition of a whale. But generally, they care less about the efficiency of their money. Like money is not a problem for them. Generally, they just view it as, okay, it's a cost. I want a different goal. Like I want availability or I want stability or, you know, some other ability. The other guys, again, the, the, the weasels, we'll call them. I don't like calling them weasels. I'll go back to the tigers. The tigers, the thing about them is they're very cost conscious. They need to be lean, right? If you've, as you and I have both done, we've read Lean Startup, and the purpose of a startup is to find a stable business plan before the money runs out, right? Yep. But these guys, they're very cost conscious. ROI is super important to them, but they have the benefit that there is orders, not just one, but orders magnitude higher. So if you think about decision makers, there's a lot more humans making decisions in the, the tire category. And so analyzing these, these two sets differently, I found to be extremely interesting because, and, and, and actually one of the things that's interesting is we're finding, so a lot of executives top down, they go, okay, if we can make our whales happy, then everyone else benefits. No, that's not. It's true, not though. true. I you and I know that's not. I've true actually at all. found it's the they're, other they're, way around. Yeah, yeah, they're special. Right. I, I found that it's exactly the other way around because making the whales happy, what they want is all their little specific, very proprietary things that that no one else cares about. In terms of thinking of it from from that angle, then to me, customer centric monitoring might be across our entire fleet of products can we identify key key places where it is clear from customer behavior that they're making decision points and whether or not those decision points are are mutually beneficial detrimental to the business did i lose you there nope you got me all right okay well, I kind of talked through this. I'm not certain which else to go to. <laughs> All right, it's fine. Yeah. So, is this your is your new your new business venture? Uh, Prince customer centric model. No. So, this was a term that was introduced to me today. Unfortunately, it was presented as essentially yet another. It was presented to me as essentially a, a synonym for yet another preventative test suite that somebody wants to run. And I'm like, okay, the name is cool. And I think, you know, 
being in the year 2021, we can do a lot cooler stuff than 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 try to revisit, you know, 1986 tech. Cool. You can call it Project Tiger. Project Tiger? Project not, Tiger from not, the Tigers. Not, uh, yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> okay. There's, there's exciting. A, a, a brainstorming lesson on principle number five. You know what? In my notes somewhere, I, speaking of principles, I did write up the revised uh, modern quality principles. I don't know what to call them. Are they still modern testing principles? The ones that we remember a couple episodes ago, we talked about them. Well, we we talked about generalizing. I did. And like, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. the modern sure testing principles are still true. We're, we're now just like. No, 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 no. But I don't know if, if I've generalized them. Are they still called modern, modern testing principles? That's my question. Anyway, I got to post those to uh, one of the three dot slack.com. You get your innovation at modern testing.org. My biggest, one of my biggest accomplishments, I have two maybe huge accomplishments in 2021, maybe three. One is still being alive during the pandemic. Number two is I managed to get uh, an auto renewing SSL certificate on moderntesting.org. Okay. For those of you who don't know, moderntesting.org used just to be a Google domain that I had auto redirect to the old blog site before we moved to Anchor. But this year I moved it to AWS um, where I pay a whopping like $1.12 a month for hosting moderntesting.org. It's it's rough, but uh, I was also able to get it set up with a, uh, a Let's Encrypt certificate that auto renews filing. It took me a couple of tries to get that right, but that's my second biggest accomplishment of 2021. And I have a third, which uh, I told you about a couple of weeks ago, but um, I'll let the listeners know, um, which is maybe about a year ago, I announced on this podcast that for the first time in forever, uh, first time in like maybe... Because I was at one of those levels at Microsoft where you have to, um, oh, there's lots of inappropriate ways to put this. You have to suck up a little bit to get another promotion. And I refused <laughs> to do it. I, I was at one of those career levels. So about a year ago, I got promoted for the first time in a long time. That was I fun. don't, that, and I got, that is not a career level thing. That is a, a divisional cultural thing. Whatever. Yeah. I, I uh, yeah, again, I, uh, anyway, I got promoted again and, uh, my new, did I tell you about my, do we talk about my new group on before on the podcast? I think I can't remember with the new reorg, a group called engineering services, which is all of yes. the tools, it's tools and infrastructures It's central tools and infrastructure for all of unity, desktop apps, as well as cloud apps, documentation org is also in my org. So have an org now of about 200 people. And I am the new VP of engineering services. Yay! Kamala and I have something in common. We're both VPs. I think my boss may be slightly more confident than hers. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and I think you're slightly more competent than. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we could we could go there and and to be clear, to be clear, I am for those of you maybe listening for the first time, I am no conservative Trump lover. I just expect more from a i'm also not afraid to call out when i expect more from someone in charge so that's all gonna leave that right there go on to new topics yeah, so yeah, anyway no, I, what does that mean nothing my job's the same right now i have i have honestly i have too many direct reports right now and too much to learn about the org to do what my role should be which is a lot more outreach across the company 
and getting people to do to understand what we're there for. Although I'm doing a little outreach next week, I am meeting with uh, one of the folks from Weta. Did you know? Do you know who Weta are? Did you hear about the Weta no. acquisition? Weta is a company owned uh, presently by Peter Jackson. It's all the software used for digital effects and 3D rendering used in Avatar, all of the Lord of the Rings movies, uh, Game of Thrones, all that stuff. Okay. Uh, Unity, Unity bought their, not the film studio part, but they bought the software engineering tools, the graphical tools, with their customer remaining uh, primarily uh, Peter Jackson Studios. Uh, we have, yeah, pretty you know state-of-the-art, sophisticated graphic and artistry tools which are now part of unity it's pretty cool and i'm going to meet with one of the folks from there next week i'm excited about that's that that's cool welcome so is, the, is welcome them to the show is unity gonna like uh start going into the movie business taking on pixar no, it, it, it's like games. it's like games we don't make games but we give you a game engine to do it we're not going to make movies we're going to give you the tools you need or more we give you some already more of the tools you need to make movies. Like we already have a major with this acquisition and just acquiring the tools. We already have a, a major film company using our stuff and we'll have more over time. What this does by taking it, it does two things. It gets Peter Jackson out of the software business and it gives more, more other companies ability to uh, purchase and use those tools for their digital effects. So it's, it's pretty exciting. And then of course, some of the, a lot of this stuff will make it into game development as well. All cool stuff, but I'm going to meet with them. And to do that, I may actually go to the unity office for the first time in a very, 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 very long time. Oh, and, and, Oh, Oh, and because we haven't played in a long time, we talked about it before in the, the game of where in the world is Alan. I may go to Copenhagen in December. Nice. You, you, they're going to be back pretty by well with COVID. I'll be back by Christmas, barring any, you know, lockdowns or anything. But with one caveat, I was getting ready to go and I went and dusted off my passport, which I haven't looked at in forever. And it expires within three months, which is way too little time for them to let me actually go. So I sent in for an expedited passport and we're going to see how quickly it comes back. So I may push that out till January. I feel like in June, when we're all getting vaccinated, we saw like a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, man, it's going to get better. Then there was a Delta variant and a bunch of people who still think that the uh, vaccine is going to mutate their DNA and turn them into zombies within 18 months. And and um, yeah, we're in a weird spot. I don't think that's actually what they think. Yes, that's what they think. <laughs> okay. All right. You, you don't want me up on that soapbox. I um, don't think that's what they think think yeah they do they do no but i have a more interesting question because i don't know ask away i don't know what it was that you just said that triggered me but it reminded me of a discussion i've had recently so in your view what is the best game of all time well that's an interesting question and a subjective question where you could argue Almost any answer. So it it depends. Tetris? You know, it could be Tetris. The game... Okay. The game I have probably put the most hours into ever is Skyrim. Is it the best game? Yeah, pretty good game. Top 10? Yeah, for sure. I really am a fan of sort of the Metroidvania genre. So especially... 
the um, and again not the best games but again uh, quality can only be evaluated by the customer and like the Ori games uh, Ori and the Will-O-Wisps or Ori in the Blind Forest two of my favorite games ever those are games I can play over and over from beginning to end best game ever it's for me it's not going to be a shooter because I suck at them okay um, it's not going to be an MMORPG I think world I think what Blizzard done with World of Warcraft is fantastic in getting people addicted to their game like it's crack cocaine but uh, while I have put hours into that game and played it a couple times through I generally get bored with all the toxic behavior from the people in the end game so that takes away that takes away from me the, the whole point of the game is to get to the end game and do all the big raids and stuff but the people doing that stuff are just jerks so by the time I get there I'm re- and doing that stuff I I'm completely ready to quit. so it's not that I, I am not a fan of the MMORPG period but I will say both StarCraft and Warcraft are in my top five and probably multiple times. And to be fair, a similar engine. In fact, Bethesda made both, right? Uh, Fallout 4 was one of my favorites. Oh, so that actually you've now mentioned the two things that he and I debated, right? Because he came in and he 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 just uh, straight up said Skyrim is the best game ever. And I'm well. That's funny. And, yeah, it was. That's one of the first ones so I brought the, up. Yeah, it's what the one you said you spent the most time on. But I'm like, that is clearly fault. Like, and I said, any, any, in my view, any of the Fallout series from Bethesda is better than Skyrim. Now, Skyrim's fantastic. Ooh. Sorry, are you including? Are you not, including no, Fallout 1776? Because I, okay. I, like, <laughs> I just made the same mistake I made with him on that call, and I'm like, with with that as an exception. Now, I have not played 76 in several years, right? Um, and I understand that they may have unscrewed it. All right, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I I never I yeah same. Um, that's a good one. I think. I'm trying to remember if I ever actually finished Fallout. Any of them? No, I think I may. I try to remember if I finished the end of Fallout because you can finish it and keep on playing. You're talking about Fallout Four? I Fallout Four, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I I finished the end of that and every single DLC that they had. Doesn't that one end go? No, I do remember the end now. Yeah, because you go to. I'm getting a bunch of games in my head kind of merged together in in the weird endings. But yeah, okay, I remember now. I think Fallout. You, what I, I get, Fallout Four is the one where you. I think you have to go kill people at MIT. Yeah, yeah, you're in Boston the whole time killing right. people. Yeah. So that that so the answer was. It's interesting that you asked two people and they both said. Skyrim, but then the no, you didn't say Skyrim was the best. You said that you're you right. Spent more time now. If we and to be fair, and here's the funny part: I never finished Skyrim either. I am classically, I will play ninety percent of a game and for some reason stop. Sometimes because it gets hard. Sometimes because I'm just bored at the end. No, oh, I finished Skyrim, but I've never played it again. Like yeah. there's some very few games, like Mass Effect. Mass Effect is is one of the few RPT PG type games that I've actually gone back and played as a different character. Yeah, I actually don't like the I get tired of the gameplay in Mass Effect of all like cho- that choosing what you're going to say to somebody. I guess you had to do that in Fallout and, and it's all the same. So never mind. Cool. 
And then right, what man. was the other one? Borderlands is fun. Oh, again, another game I love to play but haven't finished. Uh, every single one. Every, I have played... Uh, I didn't play two. I played three, four, that one that kind of came in the middle in space. And every single one I get... 75 I get 75 percent done 80 percent done I get to a boss that I just can't kill I try 40 or 50 times and I give up and the game stays there sometimes I'll go I'll get bored and I'll pick a couple hours trying to go kill stuff in easier areas to level up a little bit and get stronger so I can kill the boss but I still can't get to it I just give up I'm I'm not good enough to and like I absolutely love the first four, six, ten hours of gameplay of the Borderlands games, and then I'm just stuck and I have to give up. It's frustrating. Uh, so, But the problem is Borderlands 5 will come out and I'll buy it and I'll do the same thing because I'll, I'll, it's worth it to me to pay the 60 bucks for that 10 hours of game. Borderlands 4 is the only one I haven't solved, and that was mostly because me and my younger son were playing it together and then COVID happened and then he... He did college and and now it's like in this incomplete thing and I refuse to start playing it by myself. So that one may may never get finished. I don't know. I have an Xbox Game Pass and which means I download a lot of games and I play a lot of them for about 10 minutes then delete them. I have a hard time finding games I like. I really liked and this is this is going to be controversial because not a lot of people did but for whatever reasons, the gameplay and puzzle solving of the Tomb Raider series okay, out of Ubisoft, I believe, Square Enix, mm-hmm. uh, I've liked a lot. Those are those are games I'll always purchase and play through and, and often buy a chunk of the DLC. Yeah, I was just thinking through the Assassin's Creed series. I've played all of those. I, I tried. I tried. I could not get into those. I, I, I've, pl- I've, I've played a half hour or an hour of maybe four. Oh, I've gotten... So the later ones, actually, I, there was one where the main character is a ship captain. He is actually fighting the assassins. And that was kind of the last one I did. Deus Ex. That was, that's actually one. That's the only one I can think of when you were talking through games where you get to a boss fight. It's really nothing you can do except start the game over and rebuild. Oh. oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so Deus Ex. Have you played Deus Ex? No. Okay, it's it's one of these things where you go along and then you get so the main character is sort of a cyborg, and you can get upgrades to particular systems. And with this one main boss, I was it was absolutely clear that the way I upgraded is not going to help me win. And there was no like place to, like a lot of games you can go redo your build. Yeah, there's there's no there's none of that in this game. Oh. Um, so I call that a bug. I do too, because uh, I'm just like, okay, I can just keep pounding my head against this you know titanium wall, or I could start all over. And I'm like, all right, I- none of those options sounds interesting to me. At least one of our three listeners doesn't game and is completely bored by now. Oh, okay. So let's go to the last game. <laughs> so the one is spinning that there are two that has taken up all. Oh, this this story was going somewhere. No, this is no, a, this no. is new information. No, the the, the two that's taking up the most of my time right now is uh, back into Magic cards, but now on the app. So Magic the Gathering Arena. Meh. I'm all about that. Uh, and 
Nah. And then uh, Animal Crossing. <laughs> oh so uh, I have not uh, jumped into the Animal Crossing bandwagon, but there is an active Animal Crossing community at Unity. They have a channel where they communicate, a spreadsheet where they keep track of what their things are so they can trade and what they make, etc. <laughs> uh, you know, last year there was a DevOps conference held inside of Animal Crossing. I did not know that. Uh, I'll see if I can dig out a link to that. Someone will. <laughs> so yeah, it it is a thing I've never gotten into. I my daughter played quite a bit. I thought about getting a um, switch, a uh, switch, so I could you know join the club and and make stuff. But I did not. I still want to get a switch just to play Mario Kart, but whole different genre of game. But I think I think Mario Kart's a fantastic game. It is a great game. I'm looking at it. So yeah, it was April 2020. DevOps conference. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Yeah, maybe that's where we should have modern test con is in Animal Crossing. I'd be aboard. Although there's no audio for the thing, so you can only chat. So I think that would get tiresome pretty quickly. Is it? Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to look and see how they did that, but we'll figure it cool. out. Cool. All right, man. Any other announcements? Or th- I mean, this was like the rambling 150 of of stuff. No, I have. It's review season. We got. I, they're all due next week. I'm taking Thanksgiving week off. It's a Friday, so I'm going into the weekend to recharge because I have a crap ton of of connects to write the following week because they're all due by the end of the week. Uh, then I have another week. Oh, I, I guess for me, that's exciting. Is my my oh. Eldest will be home for Thanksgiving, so that's fantastic. All anyway, right. Yep, that's it. We All should. Right. Okay, well, we kind of kind of a rambling 150, but a little bit of time with Brent and Alan to see what's new with us. And we'll come back in a couple of weeks with 151. I guess we're going to have to drink Bacardi 151 during the episode, because how could you not? Brent says, no. Yeah, do we want to? I actually, I, you know what? I, I don't like rum at all. I may have drank too much of it when I was like 17, but I don't like rum. Rum is... Rum is great, but right now I've actually no. gotten into. Uh, it's called Roku. It's it's oh ro- yeah, that they, they, they get like TV. No, it video streaming. It's a Japanese gin, and it's and it's awesome. Rice gin? No, I think they use several of the same ingredients, but they add uh, Japanese style like yuzu. Do you know what yuzu is? Yuzu. Okay, yep. they add yuzu to. To it and so it has it has these delightful citrus overtones next time on food and wine with brenton allen <laughs> all right dude all right man let's call it good this has been episode 150 still episode 150 i'm still allen and i'm brent all right see you later